Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, John Duke. The Celtics land another big splash and free agency. Gordon Hayward committing to join the club for next season. Obviously, there's some work that still needs to be done because... And this is so crazy to me, but I'll quote Danger Cart. The fact that the finals only went five games and didn't go six actually wound up messing with the revenue numbers, lowering the cap even more than maybe any of us would have liked. And now the Celtics got to clear three to $400,000 just to give Hayward the max. Now there's talks of Marcus Saul trading Marcus Smart, maybe to the New York Knicks, and we have Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder sort of on that radar as well, and possibly a sign-and-trade that could get executed with the Utah Jazz if they're willing to play ball, although they'd be stupid not to. And this is where we're at at this point. John and I have been on vacation, but we have stepped away. We're both sitting in our cars in the middle of parts unknown, as we used to say, John. There and, you go. Yep. There you go. <laughs> so we are, we are here... To break this down, we got a little abbreviated show here on vacation. I don't know why we even try to plan our vacations for July 4th. We know how this goes down. But uh, we'll be back again next week with a regular show. But in the meantime, maybe just some of our initial thoughts on the deal that is done. John, I'll hand it off to you. Obviously, uh, I was big on Jason Tatum in January. We'll talk about Summer League. I was big on Gordon Hayward in a possible trade a year and a half ago. This really, while it is an awesome signing and exciting, I think I've basically thought that this was going to happen for quite some time. This is, well, not only that, I think this is also, this is, this is, this is going to be the victory lap edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Okay. This is, this is everything we had hoped for really (laughs) in all in one. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, and you're right. Let, let, I, I want to hold off on the Jason Tatum stuff. I think you also deserve a little bit of uh, that, a little bit of props to talk about Jalen Brown and his efforts here over over two games in summer league. But let's put that aside for a second. Let's talk about uh, a Western Conference All Star. Let's talk about uh, a guy who clearly has a game 
that fits into something the Celtics aren't currently able to do as a second scorer, as a second ball handler, as a guy who can run, pick, and roll, a guy who can hit, catch, and catch and shoot situations, a guy who can rebound and pass, defend a little bit. I mean, does a little bit of everything that, that the Celtics really don't have a guy who does that sort of thing. And you're going to get that in Gordon Hayward. Um, it was the most torturous signing <laughs> that that I'd seen uh, in some time. I mean, this is this was this set new new uh, new marks. But the Celtics are able to get a guy without giving up right now, as of right now, to give up without giving up one piece of of asset to do that. Now they're going to there's going to be a, a trade here. There's going to be something to open up space. You know that. I know that. I, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's talked about right now, um, and we can talk about that in a second. But just in terms of who Gordon Hayward is, what he can do for the Boston Celtics, you know, he's he does what Evan Turner did times a thousand. You know, um, he's got range. He can do those things that Evan Turner people loved about Evan Turner, but didn't do as efficiently. And so I, I'm just I'm so excited that he's here. Uh, I think that that him, uh, and if there's other some other moves here, uh, I think it gives a lot of space for him to, to basically be the reliable wing player, and then what, let a wing, young wing player play with him, uh, whether it's Tatum or Brown. Uh, I'm 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 really excited. Uh, I just uh, I can't wait to see him in green. Yeah, I mean he's a 22 points per game scorer. He shoots the three ball at just about 40%. He can shoot the free throws. He's a two-way guy, and he's continued to improve year after year. I thought it was interesting the way it all went down, With and I personally feel like they just wanted to make sure that they got the announcement on the Players' Tribune that they wanted to make sure that the Utah Jazz were notified first when the leaks went out that he had chosen the Celtics. I think it was a done deal. It was just a matter of trying to do it as appropriately as possible. And that's why I say, while I'm super excited about it, I'm really not surprised. I really felt like we were headed in this direction. You also saw some reports leading up to the announcement in the early stages starting July 1st that maybe this relationship that uh, Gordon had with Brad Stevens wasn't necessarily as strong as reported. It had been quite some time since they, you know, Gordon had played for Brad at Butler and you know but then you you go to the Players Tribune article and despite the fact <laughs> that much of it is really just a huge thank you to Utah uh, as as a state and obviously Salt Lake City and then also many people within the organization the other closing point is just how strong that relationship with Brad Stevens is there's I mean yeah the, oh it's the rich tradition but no it's not it's Brad Stevens this guy is the best recruiting uh, piece of the puzzle that the Celtics have had in a good, good long time. Now, how now uh, Horford, now Hayward. This is this is huge. We may have the next Greg Popovich, John. Ooh, whoa! I like where you ended that. Yeah, I mean, it it, <laughs> it became comical, really, about not only what they were saying. And the most common one was, well, Brad Stevens doesn't couldn't possibly have that much influence on where Gordon Hayward's going to go. And he has only coached him, you know, for two years. But 
you know, on and on and on. And it was like, man, well, does he hate him? Did he like, you know, kind of did, uh, you know, did Brad borrow Gordon's car at one point and put a scratch in it? I mean, it got weird all of a sudden. And uh, so anyway, it, uh, you're right. I mean, the ability to draw free agents here is important. And the cerebral guys, both Hayward and, and Horford, uh, both are, are, are smart guys. They're not, you know, kind of dumb guys, you know. No, they're, they're smart guys, understand the game, understand in a bigger sense of their role. And look, the Celtics, who've never been able to get free agents. Oh, they can't get free agents. They're not Miami. They're not L.A. They're not this. They're not that. Two, two summers in a row. The first summer, they get the number two free agent on the market. This year, they get the number one free agent on the market. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. And it could, you know, go, you could go, st- you know, stuff your sorries in a sock. 98.5, the sports hub. Forget you. <laughs> Forget you. That's awesome, John. Put it in a sock. Put it in a sock. Hey, real quick, don't forget to follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me, at CSL underscore Justin John, is at CSL underscore Duke, the entire CLNS Media Network, at CLNS Media, and the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace and CLNS Media's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss, which will be back next season featuring super many highlights of Gordon Hayward because this really is huge. So now you've got Isaiah Thomas, who it really does not look like he's going to end up having surgery on that hip. And Brad Stevens who ordinarily does not come out and make statements about the health or available availability of players. He always says, I'll just let the doctor speak to that. We'll let Dr. McKeon speak to that. Yet, very recently, he says, Isaiah Thomas will be ready for the start of the season. I think that's significant when it's Brad that's coming out and saying it. Hopefully, he's allayed some of my fears. I was concerned we might not see IT out there doing his thing to start the season. So I don't think it's a definite. I still have some concerns and some question marks. But for now, I'm feeling a little bit better about it. You've got sort of a big three. It's Isaiah, Hayward, Horford. Now we don't know what's going to happen. Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. That's obviously the next part of the discussion for you and I, John. But you could see a trade of any combination of those players. We've heard about Marcus Saul, but we're also watching Summer League, and a lot of people had Zizic slotted in as the starting center on this club if no further deals were made. And I said, whoa, hold up. I could see Horford at the five. I almost think Jalen Brown starts at the two if you don't have Avery Bradley, and even if you keep Marcus Smart. Avery Bradley has been the player that we thought or we felt was the most likely to be traded. But Marcus Smart was a close second. Jay Crowder, despite the, if you really just look at positions and say there's some duplicity there between him and Hayward, if the team were to go small, Jay could go play the four, Horford the five, Hayward at the three, Brown at the two. That works maybe a little bit better. And Jay is on that cap-friendly contract. I'm not sure that Zizic looks like he's ready to play center for this club 
next year. I know we got great performances back in the big three area with big three era with Paul and Ray and KG. Then we saw Perkins and Rondo playing very well. I don't think that is necessarily a reasonable expectation for Zizic. What are your thoughts on this all shaking out? I know we have to talk about the three players that are most likely to be traded, but just take a look at the young guys. Let's pretend one of them is leaving and somebody else has to step in. What's the ideal scenario for you? Oh, well, I, I think you're absolutely right about Zizic to start there. I think take that in a, in a small bite. I, I think Zizic, I, I think he's got potential. I think he does some things the Celtics don't currently do uh, in terms of he's got a nose for the ball. He's strong. He can rebound. I love that. Love that stuff. Uh, that's that's the type of guy they're going to need on this team. And I think as coaches work with him, they can mold him into something. Right. And the other thing is, the guy's played two games away from Europe in his life now. And we saw them both on Summer League. You know, and, and I think perhaps the stakes were a bit higher than he was uh, you know, expecting. You know, last year, actually both years, when they played in Utah, they, they seem to, to get their their stride a bit, I suppose, as they get to, to Vegas. And I wonder if Zizic will get better and better. It's, it, I thought he looked better uh, against the Spurs than he did in the first game there against the Sixers. So this this may be just a, a you know kind of on the on the rise type thing. So I don't want to do too much on Zizic. In terms of what's going to happen, though, boy, I never really thought a signing trade would happen. There's a lot of sour people in, in Utah right now. And the thing is, is that you, the, because Hayward took so long, he left all the teams really scrambling a bit. Uh, you know, the, you know, there was a chance that even playing C, Ginobili was going to be off the market before Hayward decided. So the Celtics were, would have been left in a bad spot too. So I understand their desire to get Crowder. The problem is, is that just you said, because we didn't think that they would trade him, because the low contract cost, because he's you know it's it lasts for a while, because of where he fits as a small ball four. Why would you do that? So if you're going to do that, you better damn well get some value in return. Because Hayward could sign with Celtics for nothing. There's there's nothing owed to the Utah Jazz to to do this sign and trade deal. But if they, they want hit Gordon uh, want to Crowder, and I'm I'm okay with dealing him away so long as we get. You know, a good return, and you know, and it's something we can able to uh, to flip later on. Um, you know, you look at what the value of Crowder has been. Crowder has a very high value. We, this is a guy who, reportedly, the Celtics weren't interested in trading for Kevin Love. You know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, the, the Knicks were interested in. So, what happens if Porzingis kind of pops his head up again as a, as a potential trade candidate? Uh, we wouldn't have Jay Crowder to trade in that instance. You know anymore if he's part of this deal, so they better make sure if they're if Jake Crowder is part of this, they better be damn sure that they're going to get something in return. Yeah, and it's really interesting just following Ryan Bernadoni at Danger Cart this morning talking about all of these options and sign and trade. Honestly, you have to think Utah would be silly not to do some sort of a sign and trade because they could reap some assets and some players to help mitigate the loss or at least strengthen their club. Remember, they really climbed the standings last season. You don't think, you can't think that they are willing to slide back a little bit this year. 
They've already lost out on Hayward. So here's a couple of what Ryan says. He says, stash Yabu, wave Mickey, and then Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and um, and Jackson in a sign-of-trade for Hayward, Favors, and Mitchell. And Utah could add Olenek in that sign-and-trade if they agreed, which would give Utah a big trade player exception and the possibility of adding Olenek. So this one kind of makes a lot of sense, and it does clear up space on the roster. We're talking about Summer League. We've hinted at it. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, if they're the future, they're going to be on this club. Having all this depth is eventually going to present itself a problem. And by getting rid of Avery Bradley, and Jay Crowder is a tough one because, like we said, he's on that cap-friendly contract. I actually think I saw somewhere that in, like, 2021 that Jay Crowder makes less than Jalen Brown does on Jalen's rookie contract. So there's no necessity to move Jay Crowder. But if you could add somebody like Favors, you would get roster balance out of it. There'd be some young players and they would be in a much more cap-friendly position moving forward. I, I like Favors a lot. Now, the interesting thing with Favors is that he's he's very he's somewhat Bradley-like in that he's he's had a hard time staying healthy, um, effective when he plays, rebounder, rim runner. Uh, you know, he adds that that piece of the uh, of the. The you know the the piece, uh, he adds a piece that the Celtics don't currently have. We talked about that with Hayward. The Celtics really don't have that rim running big man, uh, and he can play small ball five if you need him to. He's a little undersized to do that, but I think I think he'd be a great fit here. Um, and as a one year flyer, if it, if it works out great, if it doesn't, well, you know you've got you you got a trade piece you could send out in February. Uh, you know, I think in terms of you know, like you said, roster construction in terms of looking at the larger picture, Favors is almost an ideal kind of trade piece uh, for Bradley alone. Uh, what's exciting about that, about this deal, is Mitchell. Mitchell has been lighting it up, uh, really looking dynamic in summer league. Uh, that would be a pretty interesting half court, you know, piece to add in the backcourt. Uh, in addition to Smart and IT. And Rozier, I mean, you'd have a. I mean, he's young, no doubt, no doubt, he's young. But he's looked really good here in the early parts of summer league. Uh, I, that would be pretty exciting just to have both those guys. Now, there's a chance. Here's the problem. There's a chance you lose favors for nothing. You know, right now he's making 11 million a year. He's done at the end. You know, next year you lose favors for nothing. At the very least, you have Mitchell. You've got that piece that continues on and on and on. Um, Here's well, the question not only for that, you. John, but but yeah. yeah, that that's a concern. But at least you'd give Zizic a year, and then you can probably bring Yabu over next season after the second year of Stash. So you'll get a little bit of depth. I'm not saying Yabu will be ready, but at least Zizic would have a full season under his belt, and then you sure. can deal with that. And you're going to have the same issues with Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley, you know, next next season anyway. So you're going to lose one, maybe both of those guys. Why not bring in favors? Like, again, you might lose him. And, yes, Mitchell would be a nice sweetener so that you get something long-term. Let me ask you this, though. I feel like Utah is seriously in the driver's seat on this. 
and that this may be a scenario where they hold it over the Celtics because this is really the Celtics' only chance to control the pieces that come and go. Otherwise, they're going to wind up flipping somebody for a pick to create the space, and they're not going to have ideal roster construction. With that in mind, I almost think Utah can demand one of those later, not not the good future first-round picks, but maybe the Clippers pick or you know one of the other lesser picks. Would you give up a, one of those lesser picks to help sweeten this and just make it worth Utah's while and just say, look, we've got all these extras. We'll give you one that's likely to be in the 20s. Let's just get this done. I, I don't think I would because I, 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 I don't feel like Utah has much uh, in, in terms of Seinfeld and George Costanza terms. I don't think Utah has hand in this situation. Uh, they don't have the upper hand in any of this whatsoever. I think that the Celtics, on the other hand, they could simply take take Smart or take Crowder or, or AB and send them somewhere else. You know, um, there's a report that you know ESPN New York was saying you know they're not sure how, how interested they are in Smart, but they, that the Celtics are going to want someone like Willie Hernan Gomez and or a pick back and trade. So th- this isn't yes, they're, these teams are doing the Celtics a favor, but Celtics don't need to do anything for Utah. Utah doesn't have anything else in mind. Now, if you're talking about a larger package, and, and Mitchell might be part of that package, I, you know, I think perhaps you know Dante Exum could be part of that package. He's also a guy who, like Marcus Smart, is is extension eligible right now. Will not get it. Should not get it. Uh, and would be a restricted free agent next summer. Might it make more sense to have a restricted free agent in Ed Dante Exum? in hand rather than an unrestricted free agent uh, in, in, in favors. Uh, I think favors is a better fit right now because of where they are. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I, I think that, you know, this team, that, you know, if they do this deal, um, it's going to put even more pressure on the fact. You know, we talked about them trading away one of these, these, these core pieces, Smart, Bradley, Jay. Are they too thin? Let me ask you this. Do you think they're too thin removing one of those guys from the mix? Because, you know, if you take out, let's say, Jay, all right, that means you're going to be, okay, yep, there goes Hayward. Um, but if you take out two, well, now, you know, you have to smart, you have, you have to start smart, and is your bench your bench guy for both Hayward and smart? Are we looking at Jalen Brown and, and, uh, and Jason Tatum? Are we ready to put those two young guys with a combined one year of experience between them as really their bench wings on this roster for a team that's trying to compete with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. I, I think they, I think that it's pretty obvious that it's Avery Bradley. That is the most movable for all the reasons that we've talked about now packaging them all up, etc. But here's why first off Marcus smart. It's still part of that younger crew. You almost want to see Smart and Brown and Tatum grow together coming off the bench. And you had a ton of flexibility. Smart can back up at the one and the two. Brown can back up at the two and the three. And in small lineups, Tatum can back up at four but also play the three. And you get a decent amount of scoring from Tatum to spread the floor. Smart plays defense at both of those positions. And Brown is the aggressive player that attacks at the rim. So they're nice they're complementary of each other, too, in their styles and the way they would fit coming off the bench. 
Bradley is really the odd man out to me. Would I like to keep Jay Crowder? Absolutely. You ask if they're too thin. No, I don't think they're too thin, but they might be a touch too young, depending on what they're asking from that that wing position. I still see Jay, if you're just talking about removing one and flipping it off for a pick, you know, obviously if you can make a trade, a more complex sign-and-trade, getting more players back, such as favors to balance out the roster, that's different. But if you're just looking at the three guys and one of them's got to go and really all you're going to get in return is a pick to be able to create cap space, it's so easy, obvious, that it's got to be Avery Bradley. And then Jay Crowder, now what would have to be pretty much always a small starting lineup that spaces the floor, that has flexibility in terms of no real hard and fast positions, the way that Brad Stevens likes to play, Jay Crowder goes to the four, Horford plays the five, you have Hayward at the three, obviously IT at point guard, and then you're going to play Jalen Brown at the two or Marcus Smart at the two in that scenario. And I like that. I I like, I, I you know, your comment about, you know, I guess thin is, you're right, thin isn't the right word, young, you know, but, but young can be thin. It was our friend Sean Grady's often, you know, kind of chided us about his, you know, I don't like young players, you know, I like veteran players that know what they're doing. And, you know, you're going from a core, a, a deep core of, of veteran players to, to, to be able to do this Hayward deal. You're going to have to undo a lot of that. And we talked about that quite a bit during the show this spring. Now you're taking up the best of those players in, in two of them, uh, being Jay and, and, and Avery, uh, to, to add one. So that's a tough that's a tough bit to chew on when you know really I think before all the salary issues really cropped up we were thinking well we'll just add him to what we already have and we're better and better not not quite the case so I you know I see it I, I think it's I think it's definitely um, I, I I'm excited about what I see from Jalen Brown and, and and Tatum and their flexibility as you're talking about you know their ability to to play multiple positions and play around Hayward. And I think Hayward has that too. Uh, I'm not sure if I want him playing small ball four. I'm not sure he has that uh, that aggressiveness to him right now. And I, and I think that that could be a real missing piece for the Celtics as we kind of go into the season. If they're not able to get someone who has that, you know, that three, four, but really able to bang with the fours, mentality that the Crowder brings from time to time, uh, I think that that may be the most elusive piece to get. Uh, but if they're able to get favors, <laughs> talk about elusive, a guy who can rebound. That has been elusive for the Celtics for such a long time. It's, it's nutty. Well, you know what? It's funny you say that because one of the nice, I don't want to say nice, but one of the things that you can think about with the Mark Gasol trade is, all right, now you're talking a real balanced roster. You have somebody at the center position who can block shots, who's long, who's learned to shoot three-pointers. Really, I don't want to say he's positionally as flexible as you know maybe what Brad wants, but he still fits the mold because he can space the floor, because he can pull people away from the basket now. Uh, but he's still more of a five. However, I think he's a five that fits in Brad's system. The problem is, is Marcus All really still isn't much of a rebounder. You talk about the elusiveness in the rebounding category. 
he doesn't solve that problem the way maybe a favors does. Yeah, you know that that's that's right. And and the other thing is, is do you you want you want Horford at four? You know, do I don't want that. I I think I've been convinced that you know the old basically if you want to find out what position someone plays, take look at the guy with your 1980s 1990s uh, eyes of what basketball is and say. Uh, so in the in the '90s, he's a he's a three. Uh, that means today he is probably a two. He's a four. You, know, you bump everybody up one. And so Horford in 1995 is is a is a power forward, no question. <laughs> but today he's a center, and there is yep. no real five. So you know, Favors is a throwback piece. I mean, he can he can shoot from range a little bit. Free throw shooting not so hot, but he is. He's a prototypical 1990s power forward who you know needs to extend, needs to do some things, has some athleticism, but you know he's he kind of he allows you to keep Horford at the five and as a four, a rangy four. He can defend a little bit on the perimeter, but he's not going to be that guy who's going to be, um, I, you know, he's not going to be that kind of stretch the floor type of four that you would have seen with Porzingis playing with Horford. The thing with Gasol, Gasol is legit five. He's a five who's added those those long shots. And I think passing-wise, I mean, they'd be a dynamic passing big man duo, Horford and Gasol. But I just, I feel like that's maybe a bit too much plotting, as we've now seen, if you want, when you win in crunch time, it's you go small, it's you go all smalls, wings and, 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 and guards, and add, a, add one big who can shoot. And that's the ideal lineup. Unfortunately, I'm not sure what, what does it do with Al Horford. Uh, that's a tough fit, I think, for the Celtics. I'd love. Do to you see think it. Porzingis is still out of the right. question, or not still out of the question? But do you think he's out of the mix now, or do you think he's still a possibility? I saw a report. I, I think he's still. I think he's more of a possibility than than we initially thought, because there was there was a report that came up. I want to say two days ago, three days ago. And I didn't even, you know, really give it too much thought. But, you know, something about how, you know, Porzingis was unhappy with Hornacek, didn't like playing for Hornacek. Uh, you know, and, and so really kind of laid it on. It's like, look, I don't want to be here. It's not, this isn't just a Phil problem. This is a, this is an all-encompassing New York Knicks problem. You know, now, to me, that that's interesting because, so what if, if Phil's gone? The idea is, oh, well, Phil's gone, so it's all okay because Phil's crazy that he wanted to trade him. If Porzingis doesn't want to be there and he's just counting time, then what's the point? There was an interesting little piece. Uh, someone snipped out of Woj's uh, uh, piece on the on ESPN the other day, and he's like, you know, with all the mess that's going on in Milwaukee right now, that you know they they uh, lose a really good GM. He goes to my goes to uh, Orlando and uh, John Hammond, and now you've got a situation where they couldn't figure out who to hire and all this. And Woj is like, you know, Giannis is watching this, and he's concerned because a lot of the the nuggets and the, and the seeds of what caused Hayward to leave have to do with the fact that Utah was slightly disrespected Hayward when he came up for his extension last time, and they forced him to go out to market, and as a result. Hayward got a shorter contract, and because of the shorter contract, he's available now instead of next year, and da 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 da. And so, what the point that Woj was making is: look, if you if you do if you do things that 
seemingly are, are unrelated to your current situation, they have they have consequences and bad teams who make bad decisions they can linger in a player's mind for years and years and years. Giannis is watching, and I think Porzingis is another instance of that where the team has done what it's done, and the player is left to say, "Well, you know, I want to get out of here because you know you you wronged me." The players decide where everyone goes, you know, and it's crazy, but that's where we are. And so to see a situation where, you know, where the Tornasek or Phil Jackson, I think it's still possible. I think the team's going to want to do it, but I think it's still on the table that the Sullivan's could try to get back into that. What a beautiful thing that would be to have. And, and it, you, pro, you kind of assume that Marcus Smart goes out in that deal, but, but let's pretend not. Let's say it's Avery Bradley and picks, and the picks are there. We have them. Let's say Avery Bradley's the core piece. There's picks. We keep Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then you pull in Zingas. You've got four young, awesome players for the future while you still have Isaiah Thomas, you still have Gordon Hayward, you still have Al Horford. It balances the roster because it brings in, to your point, the perfect five in this system in Porzingis. And... I would be willing to give up some picks. I know how much we're valuing next year's first-round picks that we have that may only be one next year and then another one the following year. But we could have the Nets and we could have Phillies picks. They could be really high. I'd be willing to sacrifice those, and you could include Avery Bradley. That would get you the space that you need. The team would get stronger and it really would be the perfect, and we talked about this so many times, can this team build to win now and still be in rebuilding mode? Porzingis would make that happen. That would be the piece. Yes, they can stay young and continue to build for the future while also winning now. And I think you really, with somebody like Porzingis, you can really start to give Cleveland a full run for their money. Because I don't think that they have anybody, when you know that you've got Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas, and Gordon Hayward to contend with, I think Cleveland would have a real hard time defending Porzingis. I think Brad would put so many mismatch-up, so many matchup issues together with having Porzingis on this roster that they would be extremely dangerous. And then all of a sudden you really can say, this team is not only continuing with the rebuild, but also winning now. That would be that would be who I would target, and I would give up a lot to get him. I would too. I mean, I, I think we didn't really get a chance to to kind of go all in on the Porzingis thing, just because of the timing of when it broke and everything. But I think Porzingis would have been. I mean, we did a draft night, I suppose, but it was kind of over before the time we made the pick, and so we didn't go there. But I think Porzingis, you know. There's issues about his injury history. There's issues about, you know, whether or not, you know, how high the ceiling is for him. And I think the, the New York market completely overrates him. I mean, I think they think he's 1A, 1B with, you know, Towns and all that. That's not the case. Um, basically, the Celtics are going to, if they're going to use a lot of those big assets, the, the really good ones, if they're making a deal, they're making a deal to get somebody of the caliber of Anthony Davis. You know, that's really the next move, big move. And so whatever this deal that happens now, you know, whether it's Jay or sign trade or whatever, like they've got to put themselves in a position where they can still add that extra piece, you know, 
they're only going to pay three guys. They're only going to pay, you know, uh, you know, right now Hayward, presumably IT, and then one other guy. And right now it's Horford, but, you know, if, you, if with Porzingis, you can add him as a fourth guy because he doesn't make that much. And by the time his extension kicks in, then Horford's money's done, and so you can kind of, you know, stagger the contracts a bit. But with, you know, Anthony Davis, yeah, pretty much it's an either-or. I think that they, they, as long as they can hold on to some assets and don't give up too many, I'm okay with, with spending quite a few, but not all of them. You know, I'm not going to give up both both picks next year. I'm not going to give up Jay. I'm not going to give up Tatum. But if I have to give up one of those picks for Porzingis and, you know, some 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 ulterior assets, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Yabu or whether it's, and I hate giving up Yabu, love Yabu. But, you know, starting to look at the pieces that pour this together, I don't think I'd give up both both of those picks. Would I give up one? Yeah, I'd give up one for Porzingis. You know, put the Memphis pick maybe with it. Um, you know, and I think the Memphis pick's going to have some value. So I think you're right. I think that's the type of guy you go in for. I'm just not sure if, if New York will, will ever get serious in terms of the value of what he has, even if he is, even if he should be on the table. All right, we have about five minutes left in the show. Let's talk about Summer League a little bit because we have to just blow up. Jalen Brown looked great in game one. We know he was part of the recruiting effort, so we'll give him a little uh, a jet-lagged pass for some of the, I don't know, just seemed a little bit more out of his element, definitely not knocking down three-pointers, front-rimming them in game two. But Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum. He has <laughs> been so smooth. He's We've seen the step-back game winner. He's got a little sidestep move that we saw that started out in the corner. Jalen Brown made a nice pass in game two. This guy, this guy is a scorer. Defensively, we won't know. I think it's hard to, in summer league to evaluate uh, the ability for these guys to to play defense, not 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 only because it's summer league and and the way that they call summer league, and it's always typically favoring young guards that are athletic, but also because they really haven't had a chance to learn the system. Now, some of the commentary from Mike Shashevsky heading uh, into the draft was the fact that Jason is a really smart player. We're hearing that from the Celtics summer league coach. Uh, say, stating that this he's kind of got that Jalen Brown wise beyond his years. We're, see, we're hearing some similar themes about his character and makeup, but Shashevsky said that this was somebody that you could tell him what to do. Very quickly he would know how to put that into practice, go right out on the floor and execute. Having said that, I don't think you can really put a whole lot into evaluating defense in summer league. Offensively, though, and this is where we really want to get some sort of a return in year one from Tatum coming off the bench, being able to score. And we have not had somebody, and I mean at this stage, he's this good. Nobody else works in ISO uh, the way that Jason Tatum has since Paul Pierce, in my opinion. In my opinion. He runs the ISO game beautiful. And they need that, especially there may be times when we see Jason Tatum going out there and finishing a game when they're behind by a little bit and they need the bucket to win. Because, yes, it's going to be Isaiah Thomas 95% of the time, but teams are game planning for that. And then now we have Hayward. So putting all those shooters out there, that's pretty crazy. And 
I think Tatum could get, I think a small ball, finish the game kind of lineup. Imagine those three players out on the floor as possible, knock it down for the, for, to win the game. That, that could happen. He's that good offensively, in my opinion. Yeah, he's uh, he's really talented. I no, I I'm. I think that so you're right. Summer league doesn't give you the best show <laughs> of what you can do. I mean, the, the guy. Here's the problem. I think Jackson did not play well in the first game. I don't think we're. I don't think we're going to see Demetrius Jackson again because I think he's going to be part of the deal, uh, or a part of a deal, or he's cut to get Hayward. So, you know, so long, probably happy trails, Demetrius Jackson. Uh, I think Kadeem Allen is probably the guy we're going to see more of, probably. And Scoochie Smith, uh, you know, shouts to Scoochie. Um, we're probably going to see both those guys again. Uh, I thought Allen played pretty well um, in limited minutes, but I was watching him on a pretty um, sketchy uh, speed, uh, thanks to the uh, wonderful internet here of, of New Hampshire's Lakes region. But uh, anyway, th- I think that uh, that so that it's hard to, it's hard to see how you can set him up without a real point guard. He won't probably have a, a really good point guard play with him until uh, it is there to set him up. So you know what everything he's doing pretty much is on his own, and it's been amazing. I mean, the shot making, the shot taking, the fact that Jerome Allen is like you know I'm just so impressed with this kid. Get him the ball, and get out of the way. I mean that to win the game, right? I he's like the the quote was something effective. I've seen. I saw enough of him tonight that I knew I just needed to give him the ball and give, tell everyone to get out of the way. <laughs> the kid's nineteen. He's never played a summer league game before in his life, and he's going to go win it <laughs> with a lot of pressure, mind you. I mean, the Fultz stuff. Fultz was salty, so unhappy after that game. I mean, he wanted that game, and you know th- there was a lot. There was pressure for a summer league game, and you know it was pretty great to see Sarah uh, old boy Jason Tatum pull it out. I, I was. Uh, I, I'm overjoyed with, with where he is right now. There's a lot of work left, uh, a lot of strength needed to be added to his frame, rebounding, and as you said, you really can't get a sense of defense in this, this environment. Uh, and it's not an expectation for Tatum, to be honest with you. Not in my, I mean, yes, he's going to have to learn how to play defense, but if he can be that spark plug coming in off the bench, sort of like what Evan Turner gave us two years ago, except with the range to get out beyond the arc, not just the mid-range game, as they like to say now, the three-level scorer. If we could see that off the bench, that would be that would be gravy. That would be what I would expect in year one. The defense is going to be maybe a little rough, and I'm okay with that. That's why I say it's tough to really evaluate, but I'm okay with it anyway. The expectation is he's going to come in and hit shots. He's going to hit them under pressure. And as you mentioned, the Fultz and Tatum debate is going to go on forever, and it's in full swing. No doubt they chose Philly-Boston as game one in the Summer League for a reason, and they did a nice job, and then the game went almost like it was scripted. Boston coming out on top with Tatum was a nice little validator, even though there's a lot more to be written in this story, a nice little validator for trading down in the draft. Yeah, and, you know, look, Fultz looked good. Um out of shape, definitely. Uh, you know, and Tatum, he said he was out of his shape. You know, and so these guys, have, they're not in game shape. They haven't played probably since the college season ended. You know, for Fultz, it was February, but for Tatum, it was, uh, you know, in, in March. And neither one was really able to kind of get their, their sea legs. It's very different than working out for teams and all that. But I thought, I thought both looked good. 
Uh, you can see why Fultz is a, is a, is a talented player. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what, I did not see the gap that some were saying was there. I was seeing the lack of a gap, uh, that, that Ainge suggested. Uh, and so I, you know, once again, there's a reason why Jonathan Gavoni and a lot of these guys who, and, and our guy Kevin O'Connor, these guys see these, these guys playing and, you know, while there's some who's like, oh, there's this huge gap, the guys who know, like, I trust Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge knows what he's talking about in evaluating the draft, despite what everyone else thinks, despite, or, or despite what a lot of people think, that he can't evaluate the draft, doesn't make good picks. He is a good drafter, actually. And uh, this is evidence, I think, once again, where he's going to get two, he's going to get a second crack at a top pick by out of just the single pick. So, so I'm, you know, in trading down. So I, you know, look, this is, it's great stuff. The shot making and shot taking. I, and I, I think, you know, Tatum will also fit in well in terms of running very similar actions that, that he would play. So you aren't going to have to change your offense, you know, significantly to have Tatum come in and he can run, I think, a lot of the same stuff that he were doing. So yeah. that will be very helpful and kind of plug and play. Well, just those. to have like continuity there in terms of how they play out on the floor, absolutely. But we are literally down to our last 40 seconds. We've got to wrap the show. <laughs> We're going to be back next week, and we'll talk about this even more. Who knows? Maybe a trade will be consummated by that time, and we'll have a better idea of what this roster is going to look like. There will definitely be more Summer League games under our belt, but this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everyone for tuning in. Remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. All right. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtics. Celtics Stuff Live.